Hurry up, your favorite show's about to start. Grab a Capri Sun, some Dunkaroos, and settle in for another episode of The Millennial Movie Club. Feliz Navidad. Feliz Navidad. And also happy Hanukkah and happy Kwanzaa and all the other holidays. Did you ever sing that song in school where it's like, Kwanzaa, Kwanzaa, celebrate Kwanzaa. And that was the whole... Was that an order? <laughs> yes. And that was the only no, lyric. No, I know. <laughs> no, I grew up with a lot of Jewish people. Oh. So. <laughs> we, we, we had to celebrate all, <laughs> all holidays in my school, so. I think that's great. I support that. <laughs> like, I know a lot better, about Kwanzaa. You better celebrate Kwanzaa. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's how it's supposed to be sung. I felt like I needed to sing a tropical feeling holiday song because nice. Dan, well, actually, we are both on vacay in a right. more tropical climate. Feels good, man. I'm in uh, Costa Rica. Fuck yeah, Feels, dude. It's awesome. Yeah, people are good here. I, they're speaking Spanish. I'm trying my best to keep up. Not going well. What about do, your Duolingo? Man, it did not prepare me at all. <laughs> <laughs> now we know. Yeah. Yeah, you're rocking a sweet golden, well, like a rosy tan. Yeah, like a as much as you're able, healthy, a healthy glow. I can't get. I used to be able to get pretty tan. I used to be tanial, but <laughs> then I think it, it all went away as I got older. Yeah, that makes sense. I am in Boca Raton, Florida, <laughs> for the holidays with my family. Nice. And while Florida may be the most backwards ass state in the union or at least in the top three i will say the beach is glorious god it's so nice not being cold and not anything against all you people who are cold right now but it's pretty nice not being that and if you're cold and you don't like it do something about it you know (sighs) good point i just know i'm not a floridian sympathizer okay everyone right i'm glad to clear that up (laughs) (laughs) not like anybody was truly worried about it but we get a lot of those in our dms Right. Just wondering if you guys are right-wing crazy people. Big DeSantis fans. <laughs> right. Speaking of DeSanta. Whoa, nice. We are back this week with another <laughs> holiday season movie for you. But before we get into it, let's get personal. I'd love to. Um, my name is Dan Levine. And my fun fact is when I was a kid, I had a talk boy. <gasps> and it was my f- absolute favorite toy. Hell yeah. It was amazing. I had a talk girl, obviously. Did you really? Of course. Oh, so cool. The product yeah. placement in this film. Strong. Brilliant. <laughs> my name is Jazz Zapatos. And the one poster I had up in my childhood bedroom was of it was a still of leo dicaprio in titanic that's awesome which scene it's just like him on the deck just looking dreamy as shit it's him freezing to death slowly (laughs) (laughs) kind of had a rough childhood and it's the only poster i could find years ago i saw this youtube video about like the titanic 2 and it was this like this plot where leo had frozen in the water but because he was frozen they could pick him up and like unfreeze him in in modern day and it was about him like navigating modern life it was such a good that is the movie we deserve okay and he finds rose and she's like 140 years old she's like you haven't aged a day just kicks her for kicking him off that uh, door he's like you i've had some time to think about it that was pretty (laughs) fucked up It was kind of fucky. Draw me like one of your French girls. And he's like, girl, you are basically a picture of a California raisin. <laughs> I pass. 
<laughs> she looked pretty good. Well, well, we'll talk about it if we ever do that movie. But she looked pretty good for like 104 in that movie. Sure. Unpopular opinion, I guess. <laughs> <laughs> You've got a thing for older ladies. I do, yeah. Um, and I have a great fear of becoming one. Um, speaking of great fears, ever been afraid of being left behind by your family for the second time in a row in two years? All the time. <laughs> Probably because we grew up with this gem of a movie, Home Alone 2. That's right. We're skipping straight to the sequel because everybody does Home Alone 1. Everyone knows Home Alone 1, and I happen to think that Home Alone 2 is much better. And so does Chris Columbus, uh, the director. He liked the second one better. Interesting. I mean, what's that like? New York City, pigeon shit. Boston, New York. Yeah, it's great. Shall we set the scene? Absolutely. This movie came out, by the way, November 20th, 1992, the day before my second birthday. Wow. So. How, how was it seen in theaters then? Um, it was good. I could only eat like liquefied popcorn. and <laughs> Some butter. <laughs> my mom had to chew up the M&Ms and spit them into my mouth. But. What a hell of a movie. <laughs> it was a festive time for all. After snarky youth Kevin McAllister loses track of his father at the airport, he mistakenly gets on a plane headed for New York City, while the rest of the McAllisters fly to Florida. Now alone in the Big Apple, Kevin cons his way into a room at the Plaza Hotel and begins his usual antics. But when Kevin discovers that the sticky bandits are on the loose, he struggles to stop them from robbing an elderly man's toy store just before Christmas. There are a lot of coincidences here. He got left in some other strange way <laughs> this the wet bandits are now the sticky bandits in the same city that he's in and they're i can't believe it it's almost unbelievable this movie was directed by chris columbus he has directed just so many gems of our childhood namely adventures in babysitting he directed the first home alone mrs doubtfire bicentennial man and of course the first two harry potters big fan huge what a resume and i guess home alone 3 didn't he do that one too and that one sucked <laughs> it, except it did have chumbawamba on it i just feel like if you're gonna stop using macaulay culkin like why it was because he retired he couldn't use him anymore they're like this kid is now an appropriate age to be left home alone so the stakes just aren't that high <laughs> right right yeah that's right <laughs> he's really using aftershave now so it would really work <laughs> still screaming though yeah. This film was written by John Hughes, a prolific writer, director, and producer of the 1980s and early 1990s. He was a guiding force behind some of the most popular teen-oriented comedies, including National Lampoon's Vacation, Sixteen Candles, The Breakfast Club, and Ferris Bueller's Day Off. Absolute beast. The star of our film, once again, the role of Kevin, played by a young and precocious Macaulay Culkin. Culkin's father, former actor Kit Culkin, began taking him to auditions when he was still a toddler. He of shit this guy uh, and he was uh, <laughs> not a good yeah, person literally not a good person he's gonna squeeze every dime that he could out of this kid but after appearing in the wildly popular comedy uncle buck in 1989 alongside john candy colkin landed the iconic role of kevin McAllister in home alone one and just became a complete star we then saw him in coming of age films like my girl the good son richie rich he would, of course, take a break in order to try and have some semblance of a normal life. Spoiler alert, n- did not happen. I was looking at this thing where the, he was number two on the like VH1's list of you know top 
child actors of all time. And I wish I had looked at that list because I can't think of anybody who is more of a famous child actor. Who else? Eventually, he did come out of retirement to play roles like an infamous rave scene murderer in an independent film Party Monster and would also earn rave reviews for his performance in the tongue-in-cheek comedy Saved in 2004. He's the best. He had this like poll, his fans, he was going to let his fans choose his middle name and vote on the middle name that he should get. So they voted and he now is legally called Macaulay Macaulay Culkin Culkin. His middle (laughs) name is Macaulay Culkin. Why the fuck not? That is such a cool thing to do. He's so funny. That is fucking hilarious. If your name was Daniel Daniel Levine Levine. (laughs) (laughs) I'd love that. That's hilarious. Moving along, we do have quite a cast in this film. Harry, one half of the wet turned sticky bandits. Joe Pesci, an American actor best known for playing loose cannon tough guys and cold-hearted mobsters in a string of critically acclaimed films, including Raging Bull, Goodfellas, and Casino. We also know him from The Sopranos, basically every mafia Italian role ever. And also, fun fact, he looks just like my dad. Whoa, I never put two and two together. It's like watching my dad when I watch these movies. That is so cool. I love Joe Pesci. He's supposed to be such a nice, like really over-the-top nice person. Like, so far removed from his actual roles. Yeah, but he was, like, really mean to Macaulay Culkin filming this, like, on purpose. And Macaulay Culkin was like, why don't you ever smile? (laughs) And Joe Pesci was like, shut up. (laughs) And Macaulay Culkin really, (laughs) really liked that. He said, he's pampered by a lot of people, but not me. And I think he likes that. That makes sense. He's, like, the little prince of the movie set. That's really fucking funny. Yes. And he, like, probably wants to stir up a little fear, you know, a little... Be an intimidating presence. The other half of the wet slash sticky bandits, Daniel Stern, playing Marv. He was the uncredited narrator for The Wonder Years from 1987 to 1993, which is crazy. Uh, He made his directorial debut with Rookie of the Year and was also in the movie Whip It, which is one of my favorites. The role of Kevin's mom, Kate, just an absolute fucking goddess, Catherine O'Hara. For real. Canadian. Goose. Treasure. Came up at the Toronto Second City doing the comedy scene there. We know her from Beetlejuice, Home Alone 1. She's the voice of Sally in The Nightmare Before Christmas. Also starred in a number of comedies directed by Christopher Guest, including Waiting for Guffman, Best in Show, A Mighty Wind, and For Your Consideration. Oh, just fucking gold. And she was also, of course... More recently, cast in the role of Moira Rose in the series Shit's Creek, where she's just the fuck the whole show. We don't even know what we have with her in this film. She crushes this, though. I know that she was pretty like self-conscious about the plot for this one because it was like, I really look like a piece of shit. Like, yeah. I lost my kid again. I We have to figure out how to make this believable and like a little bit sympathetic. It's really hard to cut them any kind of slack. Lastly, and certainly not the only well-known actor in this film, but we got to get on with our fucking lives here, is Mr. Hector, the concierge, played by Tim Curry. Though moviegoers across several generations associated him with his memorable debut role as the campy transvestite Dr. Frankenfurter in the cult classic The Rocky Horror Picture Show, he struggled throughout his career to live down that role and managed to chip away at the narrow perception with a wide range of performances, including Rooster in the film version of Annie, he was Wads- the butler Wadsworth in the board game turned movie Clue, which I fucking love, then delivered a deliciously scary turn as the murderous circus clown Pennywise in Stephen King's It. 
And then eventually would star as King Arthur in the Broadway production of Spamalot, a musical adaptation of Monty Python and the Holy Grail. So the man is, I mean, he's unfortunately suffered a stroke and is wheelchair bound these days, but he just. I think he's dead. Did he die? Pretty sure. Oh, please double check that right now for me. No, sorry. Very much alive. I would have mourned that more. That's good. Well, he may not be dead. (laughs) (laughs) Let's hear from Raj. (laughs) But you know who is? Or Raj. Our dear friend, Roger Ebert, who I will get to second, as always. Save the best for second. As you do. Um, let's, Let's jump into our reviews. Uh, so starting with David Kerr of the Chicago Tribune, who writes, the pleasures here are entirely cruel with an unhealthy concentration on the suffering of the victims, on the thudding impact of various objects against their heads and on their howls of agony. Shut the, I was reading some of these. Everyone was saying the same thing. Shut up. It's really violent. Who but cares? In, in their defense, it's really fuck for something that's meant to be a kid's movie. It's really fucking violent. Like this one got to me even more than the first. Like the first one, I'm like, oh, it's Home Alone. And this one, I was like, holy shit. There's a, there's a good Entertainment Weekly article that I read that was written, I think, in 92 or something where they got a, a doctor to like look at all the scenes and try to determine how much money would be the hospital bill for each one of their injuries and like try to rack up the amount of time spent in the hospital and most of them were like well there wouldn't be a hospital bill because it would just die it would be a funeral home bill (laughs) there's no way these dudes survive everything they go through like everything that would have killed them yes literally everything it's not just like whoopsie doopsie i slipped and fell on some bouncy balls and like just like got hit in the face with a paint can it's like oh my head exploded inside a toilet. <laughs> it is so funny. I don't care what any of those stuck-up idiots think. So everyone still loves this movie. No one was thinking, oh, like these two kids that are trying to kill a child, like well, you should go easy on them. Yeah. No, it's true. There were some people in the reviews that were like, this kid's fucking sadistic. And like, even though they're robbers, like this kid would definitely go to jail. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I was looking at this video of uh, the... Super Nintendo version of Home Alone 2 that they put out oh after it, God. which is just like a cash grab. But That's um, epic. it was so cool. But most of the t- like, at least the first like 10 minutes that I watched, he's just like running through a hotel and like mercilessly killing these like maids and stuff, people who are just doing their what? job. It's not like killing them that he like jumps on them and then they like fall off the screen. But it's like, okay, that these people aren't really even doing anything wrong. They're not wrong. bad guys. <laughs> This is like the original Grand Theft Auto, yes. <laughs> basically, except they're not hookers. They're just innocent hotel maids. Not that those hookers aren't innocent. They absolutely right. are. Um, <laughs> that's pretty fucked. Someone else who didn't love this film, our good friend Raj. I'm sorry to... he's. You've been at odds with him, I feel like, the last couple weeks. So He's really falling out of grace for me. <laughs> sorry. He gives it two out of four stars. He says, I have a feeling that Home Alone 2 Lost in New York is going to be an enormous box office success, but include me out. I didn't much like the first film, and I don't much like this one. With its sadistic little hero who mercilessly hammers a couple of slow-learning crooks, nor did I enjoy this shameless attempt to leaven the mayhem by including a preachy subplot about the pigeon lady of Central Park. Is this a children's movie? I confess, I do not know. Millions of kids will go see it. There used to be movies where it was bad for little kids to hurt grown-ups. Now Kevin bounces bricks off their skulls from the rooftops and everybody laughs. (laughs) The question isn't whether the movie will scare the children in the audience. It's whether the adults will be able to peek between their fingers. 
th- I think the first Home Alone is still the most popular holiday movie of all time. I mean, it, it's it's made close to half a billion dollars worldwide. I think between these two, it's close to a billion dollars. And then they had Home Alone 3. It's just the most successful holiday franchise of all time. And people love it. I will say, like, I can't... My, I watched it with my mom last night, who had never seen it. She did cover her eyes and watch between her fingers at certain parts. Really? So he's not far off. <laughs> <laughs> okay, fair enough then. <laughs> you just have a childlike spirit Dan. you know i that's gotta be it because i was watching it today and i was like howling with laughter moving on we've got a few amazon reviews that are pretty similar in theme first reads three stooges meet small boy wearing lipstick all this and donald trump too barf 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 <laughs> Fair. <laughs> the next the next the next review is titled Lipstick? Question what? Mark? I didn't even realize this. Why does he always... <laughs> it reads, why does he always look like he has orange lipstick on? Disconcerting. I couldn't stop looking at his lips. <laughs> I gotta rewatch it. I have no idea what they're talking about. I didn't notice it either, but a lot of people did. The next one is a bit, you know, goes a bit deeper. They write, they tried the same formula, but it did not have the same charm, warmth, or laughs as the first film. This time they even threw in a homeless woman to try and capitalize on America's fascination and empathy for homeless people. It didn't work. The homeless woman character seemed to be full of all sorts of wisdom and brilliance. Too bad she didn't use her profound sense of wisdom to understand that being covered in bird shit is unhealthy and disgusting. And why is he wearing so much lipstick? He looks like a porcelain doll. What the fuck is going on here? Also, that criticism is like a criticism of her inability to find success in life. It's not, what, are you, what are we talking about here? That's like being like, don't homeless people know it's not clean to shit their pants? And it's like, right. yeah, but they don't have a toilet. Okay, so. This person's just trying to get by and birds are her best friend. So fuck off. What's a little bird shit? You know what I mean? Yeah. It's a little scary, yeah. but she's great. So an overwhelming complaint with the amount of lipstick in the film is the consensus. I gotta go back and watch. Yeah, that's weird. (laughs) He is, I mean, he's just naturally cherubic looking. I think so too. The original title wasn't Home Alone 2 because there was a lot of thought from Chris Columbus about it's just going to be the same movie. And clearly people didn't care. I didn't care. And it was actually called Alone Again. He didn't want people to think it was just a remake. It absolutely is. It is a remake. It's just a little bit different. Down to the exact formula. A lot of people were like, I don't understand why this is called Home Alone 2. He's not even home. Oh my God. Guys, what are we talking about here? Just get over it, okay? Lost in New York. Home Alone 2. Lost in New York. That's the subtitle. I get it. Hey. Shall we dive into the plot? Absolutely. Let's get in there. All right. We do start at home. We open on a very frantic household where everyone is packing for a trip to Florida for Christmas. The nicest house in the whole world. Oh, it's perfect. The perfect house. Massive Mm -hmm. and beautiful. Everybody's packing and trying to get their shit together. Kevin is in the bedroom playing with his talk boy and he sees a commercial for the plaza. And this talk boy will be very important throughout the film. He's always recording Mm -hmm. audio and playing it back to his advantage. The dad is like looking for a battery or something and it's like something charging and it's plugged into the wall. So he unplugs the alarm clock and then plugs it back in and it resets. So we know where this is going back in very similar territory. Even though when I was a kid, I did not know. It didn't matter to me because I didn't need a reason for them to why they overslept. But I didn't understand that at all. I didn't know that that's what happened when you unplugged your clock. Well, kids now wouldn't know that either. That's a good point. They'll just be like, oh, do you set your alarm on your iPhone to p.m. <laughs> instead of a.m.? A hundred percent. Yeah. So 
oh god this really got me so they're like kevin did you get your tie and he's like i can't it's in the bathroom and uncle frank is showering he says if i see him naked i'll grow up never feeling like a real man and i was like jesus fucking christ (laughs) foreshadowing much this poor kid's life oh yeah the Michael Jackson scandal? Yeah, but he said that Michael Jackson, like he maintains that Michael Jackson didn't do anything. We'll never know. But this line is a little too... Like is the joke that his dick is so big that he'll see a dick that's that big and will never be able to live up to a dick that's that big? That might be the joke. And if so, that's fucking gnarly. I hope it is. I always t- took it as such, but I hope that's the joke too. But I also heard this line and was like, oh, no, like, yeah, accidentally manifested this into his life. Potentially. We don't know. We just don't know. Who knows? Something to think about. (laughs) (laughs) He goes in there anyway to get his tie and his uncle calls him a nosy little pervert, which is so funny. And of course, he's like recording everything (laughs) on his talkback. So we cut to the Christmas concert. The kids are and the family are all on stage singing. And it's Kevin's turn to sing his little solo. And Buzz is putting the candles like behind his ears, making everyone laugh. First of all, like the parents in the audience are fucking dickheads. Like, you know, this little that that kid's being a dick. This little kid is in such a vulnerable state and they're all cracking up. His family is horrible. Specifically, Uncle Frank is such a piece of shit. All of them are terrible, really. All of them suck, really. Buzz sucks. Like, why would you even laugh along with what Buzz is? Buzz is an awful human being. Awful kid. Yeah. So, of course, Kevin eventually turns around and figures it out. He pushes Buzz off the bleachers, which (laughs) I think is great. All the kids fall off the bleachers. The set falls down. A Christmas tree falls onto the old lady playing the piano, and she falls backwards off the bench. Which was a male stuntman that you could see (laughs) because he has five o'clock shadow when he falls off that bench. (laughs) Dude, you could, I know it's the 90s, but you couldn't have even shaved for the gig. (laughs) Right. Yeah, it's one day. He's like, I'm Greek. I don't know what you want me to tell you. (laughs) That's right. (laughs) I did shave today. (laughs) I can make that joke because I am Greek and have experienced similar things with my own body hair. Okay. (laughs) Horrors, they all get home and Buzz does this like fake apology to Kevin, which Kevin refuses. If that was my kid... I'd be like, absolutely right. Push that kid on his ass. Like, even though it's my other son, I wouldn't, you know, I'd be like, yeah, you were entitled to that. This guy just humiliated you in front of our entire town. Kevin does not apologize and gets sent to sleep up in the attic. With Fuller, who's going to piss the bed. <laughs> He's like, I'm not apologizing to Buzz. I'd rather kiss a toilet seat. There's a lot of good stuff like that in this. Take that, you little trout sniffer. <laughs> what does that mean? Buzz didn't really apologize. He called me a trout sniffer. he's like if i had my own money i'd take my own vacation without any of you and it's like his mom's like well you got your wish last year maybe you'll get it again dude mother of the year let's bring up your child's trauma and your like complete inept parenting skills like yeah it wasn't that long ago it was literally a year ago i would be beating myself up for the rest of my life i would also have that child on a backpack leash yes A newspaper gets blown onto the front porch and we see the wet bandits escaped during a prison riot. So our bad guys are back on the loose. Everyone listening right now should also know that Dan is enjoying a crisp white wine during this recording tonight. Which I never do. She never does. So he's getting a little roasty toasty. and We're going to see how it goes. Have a nice glass of wine, you know. Unwind. You're on vacation. vacation. Unwind. (laughs) Yes. Unwind. (laughs) Love that for you. Speaking of a wet bandit. That's you. (laughs) Nice. Anyway. (laughs) I'm more of a sticky bandit, but yeah. (laughs) 
once you spill the wine all over yourself in a drunken yes. stupor, that's when you become the sticky bandit. At the end of this this episode, once I've had one glass of wine in me, I'll be slurring my speech and spilling water all over this nice work computer. Oops. Why is it sticky? Kevin's parents wake up late, of course. Everyone's rushing to the airport, but Kevin is in the van. So what could go wrong? He's certainly not going to be home alone. Then they're running through the airport. You are traveling with 10 children. No adult is going to take up the rear. Like, they're all just running. It's a real time capsule of a, of a scene. This scene looks so fucking cool. Apparently, this was impossible to film because it's like all extras and they have to shut down the airport or whatever. Or rather, the airport needed to still be functional in different parts of it. But, like, this is also a time capsule because of how lax airport security is. Like This is a pre-9-11 airport scene. They're not, like, going through, like, security. Like, you can bump into someone and be like, I swore I had the... Plane tickets, like, yeah, get on there. Yeah, whatever, kid. <laughs> yeah. So Kevin, of course, falls behind. He ends up following a man who has the same coat as his dad. Exactly the same. Bumps into a flight attendant, like, who drops all the boarding passes and is like, my whole family's on this plane. She's just like, yeah, get on there. I, I just wrote, if I was his mother, like, this kid wouldn't be more than two inches from me at all times. No. He would be sitting next to me on the plane. And she, th- like, the plane is taking off and she's like, I really feel like I'm forgetting something. I, I have that feeling. If my kid, if I did that to my kid one year ago, the first thought when I like woke up in the morning would be like, where is Kevin? All day long, every day. Yep. It's also important to note that Kevin has his dad's satchel that has like an envelope full of cash and all of his credit cards in it. Kevin's family arrives in Florida. Kevin's bag comes down the conveyor belt and they have this scene that's like, hand this to Kevin, hand this to Kevin, hand this to Kevin, down all the kids to get all the way to the end. Kevin. Kevin's not here. Kevin's not here. Kevin's not here. Kevin's not here. The mom's like, Kevin's not here. He's like, the dad's like, Kevin's not here. And then we have like the iconic, <laughs> Kevin! Kevin! This movie, there's like a few things that this movie does better than any other movie. One of which is like the falls of the Sticky Bandits. But there is not a better set of screams in any movie. Every every Marv screen is fantastic. But like everyone is doing a, an amazing scream in this movie. It's true. Sounds like they've all peaked the microphones. But it doesn't matter. That's what I was going to say. They're like blowing out like studio microphones. Yeah, but they just like leave it. (laughs) Kevin gets off the plane and is staring at the New York City skyline, realizing he fucked up. He like goes to talk to somebody at the airport. And he's like, yikes, I did it again. I'll be fine. (laughs) (laughs) And he's like, my family's in Florida and I'm in New York. My family's in Florida Florida. and I'm in New York. And it's been a whole thing where he's been like, who wants to go to Florida and not have any real Christmas trees? So like he's getting his wish. He's breaking the fourth wall, just like looking at you and then raising his eyebrows in time with the music. Oh, yeah. (laughs) We have this great musical montage where he's taken like an old timey cab over the bridge into the city. He's running all over town with his Polaroid camera. Also, there's no way in fresh out like as now somebody who has lived in New York for a decade, he's like at the Statue of Liberty. He's in Chinatown. He's in Central Park. I was it's thinking literally the same thing. insane. It's impossible. It's great, though. It does make you feel like it glorifies New York around Christmas time, which it can be wonderfully magical. It is. It truly is. The Wet Bandits slash rebranded as Sticky Bandits are in New York. They have stowed away in a fish truck. <laughs> My mother, who studies Italian pretty extensively, let me know that the plural of fish in Italian is pesci. Right. And Joe Pesci's in the back of the fish truck. Good call. That's awesome. (laughs) How fun is that? 
<laughs> but he's unable to smell the fish anyway. He thinks it smells like opportunity. So Marv knows it smells like fish. Kevin, meanwhile, is in Central Park and sees the plaza and is like, oh, that is the move. But first he sees the scary pigeon lady and is a little spooked. Kevin enters the plaza and it's beautiful and magical. Stops to ask Trump for directions, who ironically is the only person who's ever bankrupted the plaza. Yes. Naturally. There's a really good fun fact about this. Number one, Trump said he owned the plaza at the time. And he was like, I can only let you shoot in this place if I could be in the movie. So he like bullied them into the movie. And for a while, like during Trump's presidency, people were petitioning to get him digitally removed from the movie. And they would release copies of the movie without him in it. But then there was another petition that Macaulay Culkin fully signed on to where they were going to digitally replace Donald Trump with an adult version of Macaulay Culkin. And he just bumps into an adult <laughs> version of himself. <laughs> wow. That's cool. Yes. It's like a Back to the Future. Right. Home Alone. Oh, my I'm into God. That. What a great 100%. crossover. 100%. Yes. That would be fun. That would oh, be really fun. Fucking amazing. <laughs> Kevin talks into his talk boy and then slows it down so the voice is lower and pretends to be his dad reserving a hotel room. Extra large bed, a fridge, all the perks. So reception, of course, is worked by Tim Curry, who's just like, as soon as he sees him in the lobby, he's suspicious. I have no idea, but Kevin is so good at like, oh my I don't know God. if it's thinking on his feet or like having a plan, or, a but just like warming his way out of these things. She's like, oh, are you checking in alone? He's like, no, come on, look at me. I can barely look over this... Uh, you know, this counter, like my dad dropped me off and he wants me to get this hotel and he already talked to you like and I, he doesn't want me to get in trouble. He's just such a smooth talker. It's so good. Yeah. I mean, he pulls one over on literally everyone. That woman who's checking him in and running the credit card is an actress named Dana Ivey, who is an alumni from my college. Oh, cool. Simultaneously in Florida, Kevin's parents are at the police station reporting that he's missing and his dad realizes that Kevin has his bag with his credit cards. So they're going to alert the credit card companies. Kevin's mom is like, oh, he doesn't even know how to use a credit card. But of course, he's just like macking it up big time. Oh, Mac. That's what they call Macaulay Culkin too. Mac Ollie. Of course, also Rob Schneider is in this movie as the bellboy. Tim Curry kind of like recruits him to be snooping around. The room is glorious. It's got a big bed, a huge bathtub, a big fridge full of sweets. I love this where he like goes to the pool in the oversized flip-flops and he's like would anybody <laughs> mind if i worked on my cannonball and they're like no go for it there's a guy smoking a cigar in the in hot uh, tub hot tub yeah. yeah go for it so he has mountains of room service delivered like ice cream sundaes being made for him it's every kid's dream yeah and apparently uh you can do that in the real life plaza. So the New York Hotel, it offers a live like Kevin package oh. and it includes complimentary ice cream sundae cart, a 25th anniversary backpack and all of the Home Alone DVDs. <gasps> what a great idea. What are you going to do with the DVDs? Ed? No idea. <laughs> Throw it like a Frisbee. But yeah, literally. But I would love, I would eat dairy for that Same experience piece. and just suffer the consequences. The food in this movie is so great looking. Like the Sunday cart. Again, when I was a kid, I didn't eat ice cream. I still was like, this looks incredible. When he opens the pizza box, all of it's great. Ice cream and pizza as children were like the height of food. It was like all you could ever want was pizza and ice cream. Yeah, except for me. Yeah, except for you. And he loves pizza because he's in the Pizza Underground, that band that just does the Velvet Underground songs, but he replaces the word pizza with a lot of the words. They disbanded, but... Macaulay Culkin? Yeah, Macaulay Culkin. <laughs> is there anything this guy hasn't done? He's a well-rounded individual. Tim Curry is getting Snoopy. 
He like lets himself into the hotel room. Kevin thinks quickly, almost in too quickly. I'm like, all right, how did you do this? Because it would take me like three days to blow up that inflatable clown. But Kevin inflates this <laughs> pool toy clown that he got for Christmas. And That's right. he like puts it in the shower makes it dance behind the curtain and then plays the audio from his uncle, calling him a little pervert and scaring away Tim Curry, thinking that he just walked in on his dad in the shower and like really upset a guest. The popular opinion is that is a nod to Pennywise and in, in it. Like that but I don't What came first? So it was in nineteen ninety. Okay. And it was iconic, so Ew. that is <laughs> creepy. That makes sense. Eee. Okay. Meanwhile, Kevin's family arrives at this disgusting motel in Florida in a monsoon. It's a miserable, miserable time. And Kevin's like looking out the window at the stars and it's like, good night, mom. And then his mom's looking out the window and it's like, good night, Kevin. And it's like that song, like, starlight, starlight, <laughs> whatever that song is. It's so pretty. <laughs> yeah. Uh, him and his mom do have this kind of bond, like nobody else in the family really, but I, agree. I think she would be a better mom if she wasn't so fucking overwhelmed. Like, she has so many fucking kids, and then this cheapskate uncle is also always in their house with his five kids, and like, yeah, she's just worn, she's worn too thin. This woman, she's a good, she loves Kevin though. I think she was kind of a jerk to Kevin, she but he did. was kind of a jerk. You know, they've they've got certain yeah. things to apologize. I'm sure for. to be living with a kid like that on a daily basis tries your fucking patience. He's a, yeah. he is a little shit. He's a little shit, and like they're trying to, you know get on this vacation they're just the least organized family i've ever seen next morning he comes downstairs tim curry is like sucking up to him because he tells him like his dad was super pissed that he looked at him in the shower and he's like is my transportation ready this is the best there's a white stretch limo waiting for him with his own pizza like steaming in the box it is the best looking pizza ever oh my god he's in the back of this limo watching the grinch drinking coke out of champagne glass just living the goddamn dream bawling outrageous in new york and just you know you got any like toy stores it's like yes sir meanwhile tim curry checks on the credit card and sees that it's registered as stolen so he's like bingo he's like so thrilled wasn't there any part of him that was like so then who did i walk in on in the shower oh right yeah i guess he didn't put two and two together Harry and Marv are plotting their next heist. They're going to rob a toy store on Christmas Eve. Kevin pulls up to Duncan's toy store, which is basically FAO shorts. And it's so Christmassy and pretty inside. Mm. Honestly, for me, neck and neck with the Santa's workshop from the Santa Claus. I agree. I mean, I think that this one holds more of a place in my heart because I've watched Mm -hmm. this movie so many times. But it is it is neck and neck. You're right. Kevin is checking out. He's like talking to the man at the register. The man tells him that all the money they make on Christmas Eve is going to be donated to the children's hospital. And on Christmas Day, Mr. Duncan himself takes all the money right to the hospital. What a great guy. What a great freaking guy. He just guy. likes seeing kids happy. Fuck capitalism. <sighs> he probably makes a lot of money no matter what. But Yeah, exactly. And of course, now we're putting two and two together that this is the, the money that's going to the children's hospital. It's the same money that the Sticky Bandits are planning on stealing. Kevin donates twenty dollars because he's a good boy, and it's not his money. <laughs> yeah, who does? He, who gives a shit? Yeah. Uh, so the man gives him these two turtle dove ornaments and tells him that one is for him and that he should give the other one to someone very special. He's like walking out and he sees a portrait on the wall and it turns out that was Mr. Duncan. So unassuming, just flying right under the radar. Yeah, he's just working the cash register too. A selfless individual, like a common plebe. <laughs> 
or a plebe. <laughs> the bandits eventually, of course, do see Kevin on the street and approach him, and he immediately screams and runs. Another good scream. Yeah, another great scream. You really can't get away with that shit in New York City, you know? Like, everyone's watching you. You're surrounded by, like, a million people. Apparently not, though. This whole movie, you can just do whatever the fuck you want. Well, apparently in this movie, and granted, in the 90s, Central Park was a lot more dangerous. I mean, all of New York was right. a lot more dangerous in the 90s. Uh, it still is. But, you know, they the way they frame it in this movie is that, like, Central Park is no man's land. Like, anything goes... Once you're in the park, like... I've got my beef with this. It's like, kids are scared of the park. It's like, yeah, grown men don't come out of the park. It's like, the park is not a confined area. Just because he just walked away, he could just walk out of the park. It's in the middle of the daytime. He doesn't need to stay in the park. They just keep going further and further into the <laughs> I mean, park. granted, I right, like, Central Park is fucking massive. The version of New York is really scary in this. Like, everyone is, like, dirty and uh, crazy and they've got like, you know, like eyes that are all cloudy and shit. Oof. Not much has changed, if I'm honest. But <laughs> sure. <laughs> Where you just, you know. Thanks, Giuliani. <laughs> um, anywho, so they're chasing him down the street. This plot has not skipped a beat from the first movie. He buys some fake pearl necklaces. And as they're getting closer, he drops all the pearls on the ground and they slip. And luckily, he makes it back to the plaza. This is the way that I think. Do you know uh, when that bracelet from um, Now and Then like breaks? Yes. That's how I think it would break. Like not in a way that like just one of them pops off. Do you remember when? Oh, yes. Yes. You know when we're I mean? like, that's not how beads work. Yes, exactly. That's the way that it works. <laughs> that is exactly how it works. All right. If you don't know what we're talking about, go back to listen to our episode on Now and Then. This is our take on beads. Take it or leave it. <laughs> <laughs> this is a hot ass bead take. Hot. This is why. This is why you pay for our content. <laughs> wow, Dan. That's great. Great connections. Ooh, you want wine? It's, it's, oh, yeah, you're watch out, everybody. fire. Spicy. Okay. <laughs> and you on mushrooms? <laughs> for the record, I'm eating stuffed mushrooms <laughs> right now. So yeah, it's you could say I'm on mushrooms. <laughs> okay. So... He makes it away from the bandits. He makes it into the plaza just in time for Tim Curry to be like chasing him with security guards. And so everyone's chasing him. He makes it into the elevator, back into his room, packs up some snacks from the minibar. And it's like, I had enough of this vacation. I'm going home. Tim Curry and the hotel gang burst in. And of course, Kevin had been recording the audio from one of his beloved gangster movies. Angels with even <laughs> filthier souls. It's a... It's a <laughs> It's a sequel to Angel with Filthy Souls, which was also a fake movie that they had in Home Alone 1. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And I just love the audios like, you were here last night, weren't you? And Tim Curry's like, ah, uh, yes, sir, that was me. You've been smooching <laughs> with my brother. He's like, what? <laughs> You've been smooching with everyone. He like names off all these gangsters. Babs, bony something, Cliff. <laughs> yeah, so-and-so with the gimpy leg, oh, Cliff, yeah, right. and then Cliff is a cliff is like what the old man security guard that's with him and they look at each other and he's like yeah. no no it's, it's not, not true it's <laughs> like get down on your knees and tell me you love me and they do we love you we love you <laughs> and kevin is like cracking up yeah he can't even he could have been running away this whole time but he's just like so i have to win this fucking insanity <laughs> so of oh. course he's like 
uh, I believe you, but my Tommy gun ain't, don't, whatever. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, <that did. laughs> of course, like it sounds like he's shooting them all and they like all run and duck and cover in the hallway. They think they're being shot at. They're like telling guests to get back in their rooms. We're like, yeah, Kevin's home free, except he then runs straight into the arms of the sticky bandits, which is unfortunate. They are omnipresent. They're everywhere. They're everywhere. <laughs> how? Like how? I don't. But then they literally tell him their entire plan to rob the toy store, like in detail. Marv cannot stop telling his plan to everybody. No, no, to everyone. Like just no sense of decorum. They're back in Central Park. This woman who Marv was perving on earlier sees him again and just ends up punching them both in the face. So Kevin escapes and sneaks into the back of a horse and carriage. He gets away again. This is like just one big movie of cat and mouse. Like you would think it was all in the same house because it's just like they're they have all of New York and yet they just keep running into each other. It's so good though. It makes New York seem like a really small place. Like this doesn't it's not how it works. So the family is in Florida sitting in their motel room watching is it it's a wonderful life. Yeah, the Spanish version of it's a wonderful life. Yeah. Because <laughs> you know, we're in Florida. They right. get a call that Kevin has been traced that he's in New York at the plaza. So she's just like, all right, we're going to New York. You had to take them all. That's 14 new plane tickets. You guys must just be made of money. I was thinking the same thing. They seemingly have unlimited wealth. Right. Or just like stay here or just go home. Like we're going to go get our son. But no, like the whole extended family. It would be one thing if it was like 14 of us. Okay, so we can all split up and try to find Kevin. But really, it's just the mom that tries to find him. So why do they even need to go? Right. They all just go. They all fly to New York. Kevin's walking around Central Park at night, which is so sketchy. Just crazy people and prostitutes and scary taxi drivers. So he runs even deeper into the park. Big mistake. (laughs) Huge. And he's just so over this vacation at this point. He starts like eating a cookie and then sharing it with the pigeons and suddenly the scary pigeon lady comes out of nowhere and he's giving us some good screams. He gets his foot stuck literally between a rock and a hard place, (laughs) but she helps him get loose and he runs away and then he turns around and he's like, sorry for screaming in your face. Your birds are real nice. And they like start feeding the birds together. She ends up taking him back to her house, not her house, where she lives, which is like in the attic of Carnegie Hall. It's amazing. Yeah. It's so cool. She's like basically the phantom of the opera. It's like where the lights are. I feel like this storyline understandably gets like kind of overshadowed. Like I don't even really think I I paid attention to this when I was younger. But this is this is some pretty good stuff. Like this woman t- kind of doesn't really trust the world because she's been burned so many times and Kevin is giving her these like really nice metaphors about how you really need to put yourself out there because what's the point of not trying? And like people aren't so bad. They're like listening to the symphony, play Christmas music from up in the ceiling. She's just like a nice Irish lady. And she's like, I'm like the pigeons. People like to ignore me. But it wasn't always like this. I had a home and a job, a family. But the person I love fell out of love with me and it broke my heart and I stopped trusting people. Mm -hmm. And he's like, well, your heart's like my rollerblades. Why have it if you aren't going to use it? I'm like, I love how this rich white kid is like telling this poor homeless immigrant how to live life. (laughs) It does. It Every one of his things is kind of like diminishing her own. It's like, yeah, you know, like I loved someone truly and they left me and I haven't seen another person in years. Yeah, well, it's kind of like my polar plane. It's, like, no, it's, <laughs> right. it's very cute like, though. Well, you're, you're homeless and destitute because, you know, you closed off your heart. You got to use your heart. <laughs> Just like me. Give people a chance. Okay. Uh-huh. <laughs> anyway. But she does. Yeah. So. He's like, 
walking out and he's like, hey, if you need someone to trust, it can be me. I won't forget to remember you. And she's like, don't make promises you can't keep. Pretty good impression. He goes to the children's hospital and it all comes together for him that the bandits are going to rob all the money. That are, that's meant to go to the sick kids. And he's like, no one messes with kids on Christmas. Yeah, you can mess with a lot of things. Not kids on Christmas. Don't fuck with that. So conveniently, this whole time, he has an aunt and uncle that have an apartment in New York on Central Park West that are away in Paris. But their apartment is also like completely... It's like getting renovated. Yeah, it's getting but renovated. Like in a but very it, serious way. <laughs> like, it it, just, like it looks like it's been like left to rot. It looks like an old burned down orphanage in there. Like it looks fucked up. Right. It's, it doesn't look like a reno. It looks like no, it's never No, it just been looks like in. someone left it for centuries and now they're like going <laughs> to try and fix it up. But Which is perfect for... <laughs> traps <laughs> yeah so he goes in there and booby traps the shit out of it grabs some supplies meanwhile kevin's parents get to the plaza and they're like what kind of idiots let a child check into a hotel and then let him leave it's a fair point it's a very fair point his mom's like i'm going out to look for him she slaps the shit out of tim curry too he's like i wouldn't recommend it madam and then she <laughs> just like punches him in the face he's like well, maybe take a coat or an umbrella. <laughs> I don't know what he says, but it's something like that. Yeah, it's like, do, 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 do bundle up or something. Yeah. <laughs> his like, lip is quivering. <laughs> oh, that's the best when his lip is quivering. He's so fucking good. great. So they also, meanwhile, are giving the whole family this like insane suite to stay in for free for the inconvenience. So Yeah, but apparently they still want to charge them for room service, but whatever. <laughs> yeah, what the fuck? Yeah. We'll we'll talk about that. So the bandits break into the toy store. All the money is just sitting in this see-through treasure chest. Nice. It looks awesome, though. It's just like a big chest full of cash. Yeah, it looks great. It looks super stealable. Very steely. (laughs) So Kevin shows up in the storefront window, snaps a photo of them with his Polaroid, like a bunch of pictures of them stealing the money, and then throws a rock through the window to set off the alarm. He's like, no turning back now. Another Christmas in the trenches. He sets up this little seesaw thing. Brilliant. And so, like, Marv ends up launching Harry into the air and he lands on top of a car. And immediately I'm like, well, he's dead. That's how you die. (laughs) That was one of the things. It was like, well, that person, it said at best brain damage, at worst death. Correct. (laughs) Meanwhile, mom is, like, right, is at the the apartment right before Kevin runs up. So it's a lot of, like, just missing each other. Miss connections, yeah. He lures them into the house and they're like, all right, listen, we've done this before, okay? It didn't end well for us. We got caught and we because we underestimated him. And I'm like, great, good, use your common sense. Kevin's up on the roof looking down at them on the sidewalk. And they're like, just give us your camera and we'll leave you alone. Which I thought was a pretty good deal. Uh, Yeah, but that's not how Polaroids work. <laughs> it's not in the camera. That's not how <laughs> Polaroids work. That You're absolutely right. <laughs> He throws them the he throws them the camera and then just takes right. the Polaroid pictures to the police station. So he's like, "All right, just toss it down, kid." He starts throwing down bricks. This is where I start to lose it. This is so fucking funny. I cannot overstate how many times these dudes should be fucking dead. And whoever did like the sound editing needs oh, like a Nobel Prize God. or something. It's so real. One brick off a roof and you're done. <laughs> One. He nails this guy four times in the fucking face with a brick. His accuracy is insane. Off like a three-story building, maybe higher. So they're like, all right. let It's like, you know, they're just like, all right, fuck it. Yeah, right. 
they're not that smart. I mean, Joe Pesci didn't make it past sixth grade, so or rather Harry. Right, exactly. So let the games begin. First, Marv triggers a staple gun into his own asshole (laughs) and then into his face. He walks in the front door and immediately falls through a hole in the floor. This is my favorite part. That's absolutely my favorite part. (laughs) Harry opens a door and a bag of wrenches falls on his head. (laughs) When Marv falls down and he's like, he wakes up and he looks up and he's like, wow, what a hole. (laughs) That's my favorite line of the entire movie. That's what he said. (laughs) Also, like... Does Harry have no peripheral vision? Because right. many times, like, he just walks, like, it's like he doesn't, he can't see down. Right. He, like, can't see where his feet are because he walks right into that hole. And then he walks into this, like, green goo and goes, like, f- slips and falls, goes sliding through the hole. In a way that doesn't, like, <laughs> physics-wise make any does sense. Does not compute, <laughs> no. Into a shelf full of paint buckets that then falls on him. So he's covered in paint. Then he goes to wash the paint off of him and puts his hands on these sink handles, which Kevin has rigged to a battery and it electrocutes the shit out of him. And he keeps turning up the levels. He's the scream is so good. And like his hair is getting bigger. That's so funny. Can you do it? I don't know if I can. I don't know if I can remember what the exact sound is. (laughs) And then he's a skeleton. (laughs) AKA died. He died. Yeah. Then Harry lights his entire head on fire, does a headstand to dunk himself into a toilet full of gasoline. We see a huge explosion from outside the apartment. And yet somehow this man's head is still on his body. Apparently, Joe Pesci actually did get, like, really bad burns from that scene because they actually lit a fire on his head. Not, like, the explosion, I guess, but... Right, he's but like, the actually... Dude, not worth it. I don't know. It's pretty immortalized. Yeah, I guess. Marv sees a rope and tries to climb up, but, of course, it's tied to a sack of... I don't Is that, like, cement? Dry cement or something? That know. falls on his head. Something really heavy. Breaking his neck and killing him. Psych. Just kidding. He's fine. <laughs> <laughs> That's what actually would happen. So then Kevin goes up a ladder that he's like kind of sawed a little bit. So when Harry goes to chase him, the ladder breaks. And he's like, why don't you use the stairs? But they're like, oh, no, we remember what happened last year. Yeah, they're on to him. They pretend to go up the stairs while Kevin pulls his old tricks. He like sends down a paint bucket. Then he throws out another paint bucket. And they're like, yeah, we're outsmarting him. But then he sends down this big ass. It's like a metal pipe. Yeah, it's like a huge lead pipe that hits both of them in the head. and Smashes them in the mouths. Then cuts the rope. So not only do they get smashed in the face with a pipe, they fall back down into that hole to the bottom floor. (laughs) Then Kevin cuts the rope and it falls on them in the hole. They're dead. This is just so well orchestrated. Like not only does he, he knows like the order in which these things are going to happen. It's perfectly thought out. He's a little, he's a baby genius. (laughs) A little sadistic (laughs) fuck. What do you think he turned out to be when he was an adult? Like, what does what a skill set produce? Probably like a risk management assessor or something. It's like how the guy from uh, Catch Me If You Can became someone who, you know, tries to identify bank fraud. Absolutely, yeah. yeah. So I wrote in all caps, why wouldn't you just give up at this point? I mean, I guess they're going for broke because that's the best part about him having that picture because they can't just walk away. He's going to get them. Like, they're already escaped convicts, right? Right, they already escaped convicts. Right, yeah, that doesn't make sense. I think that their pride is hurt. I think they just want to kill him so bad. They want to kill this kid so badly. Yeah. So now he, Kevin's on the roof, 
and he lures them up to the roof. He climbs down this rope. They follow him down. The rope is soaked in kerosene and Kevin lights it on fire. So now the flame is climbing up the rope. They fall down. They get covered in varnish so that they're all sticky. Kevin calls the cops, but then he slips on ice. So the bandits get him because somehow they've walked away. <laughs> they're totally fine. Man, I could like feel how shitty that would feel, like him slipping and hitting the back of his head. Like the camera spins around and he's like sees them kind of come into his periphery. So close to have it be perfect. So close. They get him and take him back into Central Park because I guess that's where all the murdering happens. That's where you can go. They get Central Park. They pull out their gooey gun and Marv is starting to notice like something's up with these pigeons. Like pigeons are just starting to like (laughs) accumulate around them. And the pigeon lady comes out and is like, Kevin, run. And she throws birdseed all over them and the pigeons attack. And Kevin sets off some fireworks to signal the police where they are. More Marv screaming. Apparently, oh, this yeah. scene was horrible to, to shoot because they Of course it was. They were covered in birdseed and 300 birds. And oh, uh, Daniel God. Stern was like, yeah, they were flying in my mouth. Like, it was disgusting. This is my nightmare. My oh, absolute like nightmare. I'm, af- I, I'm afraid of birds. Really? Oh, yeah. I, I hate know. birds. <laughs> They're okay. so flappity and unpredictable. They are. They're like little rats with wings. Ugh. They're kind of funny, though. We're not in this scene. They're like, attack. I was almost like, wouldn't it be great if this is how it ended? Like, the police came and there was just like, they had been eaten completely alive by birds. Right. There's only like a gun left. Their remains, like their bones. (laughs) That would be sick, actually. (laughs) Yeah. No such luck. The police come and Marv is literally telling the police that they broke out of jail a few days ago. (laughs) Telling them their whole plan. At uh, Duncan's toy store, Mr. Duncan is there at the scene of the crime and they find a note attached to the rock Kevin threw through the window telling Mr. Duncan it was him and like thanking him and blah, blah, blah. Mom is now talking to cops being like, I need to find my son. He doesn't deserve this. He deserves to be at home in front of his Christmas tree. And then she's like, oh, my God, I know where he is. Take me to Rockefeller Center. Get in. We don't have anything better to do. Yeah. On Christmas Eve in Times Square. Kevin is indeed at Rockefeller Center looking at the big tree, wishing that he could see his mom again. It's really sweet. Yeah, only for like a couple more minutes. He's like, even if it was just for for another minute or something. It's like, what did you think you did so bad that you don't feel like you deserve to see your family ever again? Well, his family keeps fucking leaving him places so he must have some major like self-worth issues. Exactly, right. And now he's like, oh, everything's my fault. God damn, dude. He's like, I wish my mom would just spend like five more minutes with me before she ditches me again. <laughs> yeah, that's right. So he's wishing on this tree and then mom shows up and he like sees her and he's like, wow, that was fast. That was so, quick. Yeah. So mom just stands there. She's like, he's like, I'm sorry. And she's like, I'm sorry too. And they hug and it's so sweet oh, and I have goosebumps. So great. Me too. Oh, Rockefeller Center at Christmas time. Twinkly magic. So now the whole family is together gathering Christmas in this huge ass suite at the plaza. They're all like sleeping in like, you know, like two people are like sleeping to a chair. Like they're so close together. And then Fuller has an entire king size bed to himself because no one wants to get pissed on. <laughs> Kieran Culkin <laughs> is just pissing all over a king size bed. The bed is covered in soda cans like stop drinking soda. stop letting your small child drink soda 
<laughs> but he like wakes up and he's like, it's Christmas. There is this massive tree in the suite with an insane amount of presents. And the parents have no idea where they came from. And it turns out that Duncan sent them all these toys as like a thank you. Either that or Santa, I guess. I don't know. Yeah, or Tim Allen. Right. Or Scott Calvin. Scott Calvin. So they all unwrap like a bunch of animals. But Kevin sees the turtle dove ornament on the tree and he sneaks away. How do they let this kid escape again? I have no idea. They literally, this kid escapes the plaza to go alone on Christmas Day in the middle of the winter. And no one even cares no one was even no one notices no one notices because they're unwrapping like non-specific presents that are not addressed to them just tearing them apart like heathens (laughs) but but he has to he brings the turtle dove ornaments into the park and finds pigeon lady he gives her the other turtle dove and is like as long as we each have one we'll be friends forever while he's having this like really nice moment the room service bill comes from his stay and it's $967 and his dad screams so loud he could hear him in the park. Another good scream. <laughs> Have you seen the meme that's like Kevin's dad freaking out over a room service bill? You lost your own child two Christmases in a row so maybe you should shut the fuck up. <laughs> that's great. Yeah, it's. I saw that it's equivalent to about $2,054 in 2022. Like your son's alive. The small price to pay for losing your son, yeah. But I mean, it's one thing for him to be home alone, okay? This is a way more dangerous scenario, so just eat it, okay? That is how we end the movie. What a great movie. It's so funny <laughs> and absurd, and it's such a good good feel. I mean, it's so Christmassy. It's definitely Christmas spirity. It's lots of tomfoolery. It's cheeky kids and dumb crooks and you know it's it's easy watching unless you have a thing for extreme violence (laughs) and then it's really great watching (laughs) all right let's rate and summate i enjoy this movie it gets me in the spirit macaulay culkin is just cheeky little cutie it is literally a carbon copy of the first movie from start to finish they have like the creepy, but then like eventually lovable character that like teaches a life lesson. You know, the parents are completely responsible. It's not, you know, it's not altogether realistic, but it doesn't have to be because it's just Christmas fun <laughs> in a really dangerous way. It doesn't bother me enough <laughs> to say anything shitty about it. It just like, it just, you have to just accept it for what it is, which is just like a raucous good time. I'm going to give this movie six Central Park prostitutes. Nice. Love it. I just love this movie. What's there not to love about a little kid who just kicks the shit out of criminals for like 45 minutes? (laughs) If you don't like that, I don't know what to tell you. It's what do you like? What do you like? It's so funny. I think it, it even buried within that like violence is like this really nice story about i don't know why people wouldn't like the story about the pigeon woman it's really nice like kevin is really nice to her i just think everyone did such a good job macaulay culkin is like i i don't think we've ever had a child star like that like we said in the beginning i think he's the best child star ever he was great he just went out on top after just destroying the whole film industry (laughs) what a beast so i'm going to give this movie eight out of ten blow up clown dolls nice the facts yeah Well, all, we hope you enjoyed the second installment of our very first holiday season on the Millennial Movie Club 
podcast, you better believe we have something real nice in store for you next week. So make sure you're nice, but also a little bit naughty. And then we'll see you next time. Bye, everybody. Thanks for listening to this episode of Millennial Movie Club. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe to the podcast and write us a glowing review. We are millennials. We kind of need the validation. For even more goodies, be sure to follow Millennial Movie Club on TikTok and Instagram. Later Later days. days.